Andre, welcome to Real Talk with Star Scorpio. How you doing today? I'm good, Peter. I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, I had to have you on, man. And before we get into it, so Andre Williamson, you're an entrepreneur, you're a content producer, writer, videographer, you name it. Um, and I want to learn more about you because people listening to this probably don't know, they're not going to know that we did work together for a short period of time and uh, <laughs> in a job that I don't know what you felt about the job at the time, but it wasn't meant for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a, hey, it brought this relationship, right? So that's how I look at everything now. I don't look at it as a job. I look at what I got from it. And I yes. got this relationship from it. Yes, no doubt, man. And um, there's a conversation that we had. I can't remember all the details, but we sat in one of the, the meeting rooms one time and you re-inspired me again because we were oh. talking about stand-up comedy yes. and, and you're doing what you're doing. And I'm like, yeah. you know, you have these pivotal conversations with people that just sparked something again in you until that light, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you're one of the reasons why I'm doing this too. Again, you know what I mean? There's a lot of people that inspired me. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I, I do remember that conversation you were talking about. You had done comedy before and then you stopped. I don't remember why you said you stopped, but I don't think, I, I think when you told me why you stopped, I wasn't convinced. Yes. I was like, <laughs> I was like you still, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you still want to do this. Like, why are you not doing comedy? Just go do your thing, you know? Like, because I, I get it. Like, creatives understand the 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 peaks and valleys of, like, being in it and then just, like, not being in it because it's not making money or whatever it is. And then yeah. you still are thinking about that thing. You still got to scratch that itch. Yes. And you got to do it. And I've been on that road for about 15 years. And, and, you know, we can get into this a little bit later, but I've seen the fruits of my labor and I'm continuing to see that now. So as as a person who has gone through that, mm -hmm. anytime I see somebody else who's mm -hmm. at a different part of that journey, mm -hmm. I'm going to tell them to keep going. And that's what I did that day with you. And I'm glad you're here. Yeah. Amazing. OK, so let's start from the beginning, man, because, again, yeah. I don't know your background and stuff like that. So first of all, where were you born and raised, man? Born and raised, Scarborough, Ontario. Shout out to Scarborough. Um, yeah. Yeah, born and raised, man. I, I actually born, I was born uh, Glamorgan, um, Kennedy and Ellesmere. That's where I, I started my journey. And then we moved further east to Markham and Ellesmere. And that's where, uh, those were my formative years, I guess you could say. Okay. So your stomping grounds is in Scarborough. And Absolutely. Then, yes, yes. Absolutely. Scarborough, baby. Mm -hmm. So, um the school years now so what high school did you go to because i'd like to know if you grew up in scarborough where'd you go yeah i actually went to two high schools so i went to wilburn collegiate okay i know it shout out to wilburn wildcats i went there for about four years and then i did a fifth year and i did my fifth year at stephen leacock i decided to go to stephen leacock because they have a tv program there and um yeah i finished i finished my uh high school at, at stephen leacock <laughs> okay here again the connections, that's where my daughter went to high school. Um, oh, cool. I don't know if we knew that because that small little tidbit, you you were the videographer for um, my daughter's Sweet 16, man. I really appreciate the job you did for that yeah. uh, very special moment. But yeah, she was going into that program and then she she changed at, um, I don't know, the last minute and she, she didn't take it. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, you went to Leacock, eh? Yeah, I mean, I heard that I, I was asking my... I remember this moment vividly, actually. I was about 17 years old. I knew for a fact that I was going to go into television. I was going to be a director or something. I just knew that that was the world. That was the path for me. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to my guidance counselor and I said, hey, is there any schools that, you know, teach, you know, video or teach television or something? And she said, oh, yeah, you could go to Stephen Leacock. They have a studio inside their, inside their school. Yeah. I said, okay, I'm going there. And then I, I applied one year, I got denied, and then I applied the following year. So I like worked harder to get better marks. And then the following year, uh, I got in. Nice, nice. You know, you know, the districts, I can't remember, like, I thought you weren't allowed to go to a school if you were in a certain district, but do you know what I'm saying? Or yeah, what yeah, was yeah. It? I, but you know, I, I, yeah, I'm here, I hear what you're saying. I think because it's still TCDSB. Toronto, Toronto District, District School Board. Yeah. I think because of that, I was able to just transition easily. But if I was in Pickering or Ottawa or something, it might have been a, a bit more of a transition. Okay, I get it. I get it. 
And now how were you in school, man? Like grades wise. And um, I want to ask, ask about being, being an athlete. Did you play sports? Because how tall are you? I'm six, four. And yeah, I, yeah. yeah. So I played everything, man. If you want to, if you want to start with sports, like I, I did and continue to play every sport. I, I my first sport ever is baseball. A lot of people don't know yeah. that. I got mm-hmm. an LA Dodgers hat on right now. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people don't know that uh, uh, baseball was my first sport, but I love baseball so much. I love having conversations about baseball. So that was my first sport, and then I played mm-hmm. basketball, volleyball, you know, whatever, everything. I didn't really like football that much, uh, yeah. although it was fun to play. I just I didn't really enjoy the game that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then marks wise, actually, fun fact: I was the captain of my basketball team. Okay. Um, for about like three years in a row. And then I went to Stephen Leacock and then I was the co-captain there. So, um, you know, a little tidbit for you. But anyway, uh, marks wise, you know, honestly, man, Peter, like marks wise, I wasn't the best. I was like a 70s student, 60s student. I didn't really care about school. School to me was like, uh, it was just there. It was just a place for me to go have fun, you know, go okay. go talk to my friends, go like <laughs> talk to some girls, you know, flirt yeah. with some girls, whatever. But then like when I when I realized what I wanted to do, when I realized like I wanted to get into TV, I wanted to write shows and do all of that. Yeah. And I started to buckle down. I had a purpose. Yes. Once I had a purpose. It, it just made everything make sense for me. Cause why am I in science class? I don't care about this. Yeah. yeah. You know, why am I doing geography? I don't care about Egypt. You know, it was, it, it was one of those things. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I, and then when I got to college, I was a much, much better student. So yeah. Now going on to post-secondary school, where did you, where'd yeah. you go? Yeah, so post-secondary, I went to Centennial College. Uh, I took a year off of high school, went right into college after that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just worked for a year. Um, and then, yeah, I went to, went to uh, Centennial College, uh, the CCC campus. Now it's called the Story Arts Center at yeah. um, Pape and Mortimer. Okay. And, and um, went there for three years. Uh, had a blast. You know, um, I became that student that people were like copying their work off of because I was just so dedicated to it. Yeah. That people were like, I want Andre in my group. I want to work with Andre. It was one of those things. And it was such a weird new experience for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I loved it. I loved every minute of it, man. So you went to college, but did you take OACs even though you, did you know you're going to college or did you take the OACs that, that, that last year in high school? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, when I was, so the reason I took a fifth year is because there was no more OAC. They oh. got rid of OAC. And I think my year was the first year. So when I was in grade nine, mm-hmm. grade 13 was there. OAC was there. But by the time I got to grade 12, it was gone. They took so it out. they took it out. So the curriculum got compressed. And so work got harder, uh, essentially. Yeah. And um, so when I got to grade 12, a lot of us had to do a, a fifth year because we just didn't have the marks, you know, it was just, uh, uh, they compressed the whole curriculum. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't do an OAC, but I did do a fifth year, which is essentially is like your OAC, but. Yeah. Okay. So I get it. Yo, one thing I'm forgetting that you're a lot younger than me. You, <laughs> yeah. you don't mind saying your age, right? No, no, I'm, th- I'm 35, man. I'm uh, yeah, 35. I'm 35. I'm 35. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot the age difference. I'm 48 and I'm like, yeah, yeah they took out the OACs. Okay. They did, they did, they did, yeah. But I want to get the timeline down now because. Let's go. 23, one thing that I was impressed when I asked you to fill out that form for Real Talk and uh, you successfully managed to pitch a, and host a television show or something you were saying yeah. right out of yeah. college. So let's yeah. get right into that. Tell me about yeah. that. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I love telling the story. I love talking about it. Um, well, yeah, I let's see. Where do I start? Well, when I was in when I was in high school, I guess I could start there. When I was in high school, a lot of my friends who knew me mm-hmm. said I should have a TV show one day. And I was like, yeah, I guess I guess I can have a show. I, I kind of wanted to be on much music and be a VJ. And I think that was the dream for a lot of kids. OK, um, but then I got into college and I started to understand the game a little bit. And then I started interning and I started to see the industry and started to see how people worked. And, okay. and, and uh, I had a, I had a, uh, a teammate of mine, uh, my homie, Mike Mitty, shout out to Mitty, mm-hmm. became one of my best friends, still best friends to this day, still working together to this day. But he was uh, my classmate at the time. Uh, I can quickly run through this part of the story, but we, we, we started a business together. We were known by, uh, we were known as Mitty and Dre. 
And we basically went around to, we started with clubs. So we go to promoters and go to owners of businesses and say, hey, look, we want to do a video for you. Our business model internally was we'll do the video for you for free. And we want to do five videos because we need to develop a portfolio. Okay. Uh, once we had a portfolio, we were going to take those assets and leverage that into a TV show. Mm-hmm. So we did that. We did that for about a year. We had enough. I wrote a treatment and a treatment is essentially like a one pager of what your idea is. Mm-hmm. I learned to write a treatment in school. Nice. And so we wrote one for school and then I'm like, I'm going to write one for the show I have, this idea for a show I have. So I wrote that. Uh, I didn't have a title for the show. I didn't know what to call it, but it was basically me going around interviewing celebrities that were on tour in Toronto. So okay. when, they, when they stopped in Toronto, mm-hmm. I was there interviewing them for the show. We would package it up, give it to the network. Wait, you? I need timelines here. What, what, okay, what, okay. what year are we talking here, Drake? Because I'm, I'm very intrigued with what you're saying, man, so far. Okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, stop me, please. Um, uh, so this is 2009. This is 2009. Mike and I started the business. 2010 okay. was when we approached the network and said, hey, here's an idea for a show. We want to do it for you guys. And the network was called BPM TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were on uh, Bell and Rogers, that like music cable package, Yeah, uh, you know, with much, much music, much vibe, much loud. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know dating myself a little bit, but that was the, where they existed. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that was kind of it. We, we packaged it up. We, we created a demo, uh, which is what you kind of need. You need a demo. Okay. And then I, I wrote a treatment for it. One pager, it was me going around interviewing people, like I said, that were on tour in Toronto. Anybody, I didn't care. Usher, you know, uh, Kesha, uh, whoever. Um, ah, yeah, I want you to draw some names too. So for I sure, I will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, yeah. for sure, I loved it, man. And then so they picked it up. They said, yeah, this is great. Let's do it. And so normally, Peter, just to give you some insight into the industry. Normally, a first season mm-hmm. for a TV show is like 12, 12 episodes. Eight to 12 episodes is what one season will be. And then the network will determine based on rates, ratings, sorry. They'll say, okay, you know what? This was a good show. This is profitable, successful. We'll renew you for 12 to 15 episodes, 20 episodes, whatever your deal is, okay? Mm-hmm. My show was an interstitial. So an interstitial is a show that runs in between two shows. So you're watching an episode of a show, it ends, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air ends, and then instead of a commercial, you get another TV show, but that show runs for two minutes. Okay. And then when that show ends, you get the new show that starts at 8.30, whatever that is, Friends or whatever it is. Yeah. That was what our show was. It was an interstitial show. So we ran twice every hour. Mm -hmm. Um, For this first season for a TV show, they wanted 26 episodes which is which is insane because we were coming out of college like i said we graduated in june this deal happened in september yeah so i had never done a show before but i had told them i had mm-hmm. and so oh, here I am. Wow. yeah i'm like yeah i could do this for sure yeah i could do this it was mm-hmm. just like say yes and and just figure it out wow and that was it so so we did that um and then it was successful man i interviewed so just some name dropping for you i interviewed david Guetta. That was my first interview. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a dance music station. So for yourself or your audience, I don't know how familiar you are with EDM, but uh, those are the people I'll name. So it was a uh, it was uh, David Guetta, uh, Calvin Harris, yes. um, LMFAO. Uh, they were big. Uh, I still like their music. Who else uh, interviewed? Interviewed some Canadian artists. Blake McGrath interviewed uh, some Canadian rock bands. Stereos mm-hmm. down with Webster. Um, I interviewed a bunch of, I interviewed uh, Far East Movement. Okay. Uh, they're from, they're from LA. I interviewed, um, Girlicious, if you remember, they were popular at one time. Girlicious, yeah. that, that, that group coming off the Pussycat Dolls. Uh, mm-hmm. I went to, I flew to Miami. We interviewed, uh, Afrojack, Steve Aoki. Um, Steve Aoki, wow. Yeah, Steve Aoki. I flew to uh, Amsterdam. We interviewed um, uh, Armin Van Buren, who's like the godfather of trance. Um, and um, I think those are the big name interviews. I interviewed like Bass Hunter, like a bunch of names that, you know, uh, Richie Houghton, like some name, like Cascade. Some names that people may not be that familiar with, but they were they were big to me. Like Cascade is one of my favorite artists. I interviewed him. 
Um, and it was great, man. It was such an amazing experience to be 23 years old, producing your own show, airing nationally across Canada. Mm-hmm. Pizza Pizza at the time, Pizza Pizza is, uh, you know, this franchise that's popular in, in Ontario. They had a TV screens in all of their locations. And at the time, they had a network called PPTV. Mm-hmm. PP, PPTV was like a lot of user-generated content, and it would air on all of their networks across all of their stores. So we were actually the first show. I pitched our show to them to say, hey, like, can we distribute our show through your network? Mm-hmm. And they said, sure. And so they we gave them our show. And so our show was airing on Pizza Pizza Television uh, across Ontario. So people would leave the club at 2 a.m., go get a pizza slice, and then they would see me, you know, interviewing, you know, David Guetta or something. Crazy. So I want to get some context behind it too, though. So while you were building your resume, say, right, you yeah. came out of college and you're just learning. Like, how was that experience to learn, I could say, on the go? Because school doesn't teach you everything. And did you have those connections that helped you along the way as well? Because again, it doesn't seem like you're afraid of a lot of things. You know how fear holds people back, right? It's yeah. like you were ready to just go for it and attack it. So give me some insight on that too. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great question. And I think that's something a lot of people don't ask. Um, when, I, when I entered these, these new avenues, like when I signed that contract for 26 episodes, literally the pen is on the paper. I had no idea what I was doing, you know, but I, I, never, I never enter. And this is something I say to people now is like, I never enter any situation thinking that I will fail. I always enter a situation thinking it's going to succeed. Always. That's just how I have to operate, you know? And I learned that when I was 18, I remember feeling like nobody believes in me, you know, coming from Scarborough, you're this little black kid. Like you wanna, you have these dreams and these aspirations. I remember my coach, my basketball coach, you know, he had great intentions, but I remember him saying to me, he's like, what do you wanna do? What do you wanna do? And I'm like, I wanna be a director or something. I said something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, cool. And it was one of those things where like, you're being serious. And the person you're saying it to is an adult and they're just like, yeah. oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Good job, Peter. Yeah. And I'm like, is this guy, you know, so then years later, he saw me with a camera in my hand. He's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm shooting a project. And he's like, oh, you actually did it. And I was like, wow. is, this guy, is this guy out of his mind? Like, I'm so it's those type of things it. like give me more determination. Mm-hmm. And so when I enter these new worlds, I'm thinking like with that same determination, I'm going to mm-hmm. do this no matter what. So, yeah, I, I, I just had a unflinching confidence inside of me that said no matter what this is going to work and mm-hmm. it will and there's no I'm, it's not going to fail because i'm not going to let it yeah you know you only it, fail when you you only fail when you stop trying that's something i believe oh, amazing wait so you you must have had some that that inspirational voice when you were younger though because was it innate in you then or did your parents your siblings because just even hearing you talk now, I'm like, I can tell you have drive. And if you've had it since you're 18, what happened before that? Yeah, uh, this is another great question. So I, I, listened, to, I listened to a guy named Brian Buffini. Uh, Brian Buffini, uh, I'll just tell you this and then move backwards. So he okay. says, he has this saying where he says, success leaves clues. And in that, he says, like, if you're going to be successful later on in life, at some point you are successful earlier in life. You just have to look and find it so I say that to say when I was 12 years old I remember it was the summertime and I uh, couldn't work right like the legal age is like 16 or 15 or something like that I'm, 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 I'm 12 and I just had this drive I just wanted to earn money I wanted to work I wanted to earn money so I remember I had just mowed my lawn and I went across the street to talk to my neighbor and uh and his dad and um we're talking and i'm saying this to him i'm saying what i'm saying to you i'm like man, i want to make money i want to work like i want to do something it's the summer i'm not in school i can only play ball so much i can only play video games so much i want to be productive mm-hmm. and he's like looks across the street at my lawn and he's like well you're pretty good at mowing lawns why don't you just mow lawns and i was like oh <laughs> it clicked right there yeah. it clicked yeah and i said and everything flashed into my mind. I said, I can mow lawns. I can mow as much as I want or as little as I want. And no one can stop me. I can set the price. That's it. And so that's exactly what I did, Peter. I, I got my lawnmower. I made sure my mow, my lawn was mowed. Mm. 
And then I went around door to door and I said, knocked on the door by myself. And I said, hey, I, I noticed your lawn needs mowing. I can mow your lawn for 20 bucks. Some would say no, some would say yes. And it was just like a numbers game at that point, right? So I did that all summer. And then I was 12. And yeah. uh, during the winter, that neighbor had a snowblower. So I said, why don't we go around and do the same thing, but we'll shovel driveways. Yeah. And so during the winter, we would do exactly that. He would bring his snowblower. I'd go around. I'd be the face. So I'd go and talk to the person at the door. Mm. And there's a lot of psychology that comes into this, right? Like as black kids, we grow up thinking that people are not automatically going to like us because we're black. You yeah. know what I mean? And like yep. I, I, had, I had to learn at a young age that that's all in your head. You know, like, sure, it's probably true for some people, but who the fuck cares? You know, sorry, I swear, but like, who cares? Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're going to enter spaces and people are not going to like you because you're tall, because you're short, because you're pretty, because you're blonde, because you're Asian, because you're who cares? You know what I mean? Like, you can only focus on what you can control on. In that moment at 12, 13, I knew that the only thing I could focus on and control was my effort. And so I made sure I put in as much effort as possible. So I was putting in eight hour days as a 12, 13 year old, you know, I had to come in when the lights turned on. Yeah. And that was it. And then I was always that kid that was just sort of driven and, and ambitious and a, a leader. Mm -hmm. And um, I have two siblings. And, uh, you know, I remember I said, I, I put up, I put up a schedule on our, on our fridge for like, who's doing the dishes that night. And like, I just organized the house. Right. So I was that kid at like 13, 14, so by the time I got to 23, it was like, I've been doing this. This is who I am. And so I'm just going to enter the space with the same confidence I had every other space. Now, now I see it. You're painting the picture. Man, thanks for sharing that one. Um, so now going back to 26 episodes, uh, yeah. you, did, you did that. And now what happened next? So we did the first season. So uh, some, a little insight. Mm -hmm. I had no business savvy at all because when you're in college, as you explain, college teaches you da da da. College only teaches you how to do the job, right? right? It only teaches you how to use the tools. It doesn't teach you how to create the business out of the tools. Mm -hmm. So I say that to say, when we signed our contract, what was on that agreement was it was a distribution agreement, which means there was no money, there was no compensation. We were going to do the show and we were going to give it to them and they were going to distribute it. I didn't know the business. I didn't know that they were going to be benefiting financially off of our product. Wow. Okay. So we did that. We finished the season. Peter, the show became the highest rated show on the network. It became, it became such a success. Yeah. It became such a success that they, at the end of the season, 26 episode, boom, I hand in. He's like, VP of marketing calls us into his office. He's like, hey guys, I got to pay you for that show, man. Wow. I got to pay you for that show. You guys completely exceeded expectations. I didn't know what to expect from you guys. You guys became the best show on the network. I got yeah. to pay. I got to pay you for this show. So then he paid us. Okay. $500. Boom, boom. Mm -hmm. And we we're like, whoa, like it's such a surprise. Like we didn't know what to expect. We just walk in and, and we get, we walk out with money. So, so we did that. And then they renewed us for a second season. And then they hire Mike, my editor, Shooter. They hire him to be on the network for an editor. And then they hired me to do hosting for more shows on their network. Okay. So now we've turned it into a, we've turned it into a job, basically, right? Mm -hmm. we, started, we started grassroots. And now we've, like, turned it into this job with this network mm -hmm. where a lot of our other classmates are interning or they don't know what to do. We've, we've been grinding for a year. We did a business, we started that business, turned it into a TV show, and then turned that TV show into a work, a, a job at the network where we had pitched that show to. <clears throat> so we were pretty fortunate. Um, we were pretty lucky, uh, but, you know, we worked for that luck. So I guess we're lucky, but we're also working for it, you know? Yeah. Okay, so the years that you mentioned, um, you said 2009, 10, you came to the place of employment that we worked together around, I think it was 2012, maybe. Yeah, right after that. Yeah. yeah. So did you have something going on on the side and you were trying to work on something while you just, you know, did this job for a while? Or what, what was your thinking? Because I'm sure you had projects and things on the go. Always, always. Yeah, I had several projects. So when that show ended, so just like long story short, mm -hmm. the industry changed. They decided they wanted to start to purchase shows instead of originally produce shows in-house, which is what we were. It cost more money. Mm -hmm. I can get into the economics and logistics if you want. But that show ended. 
It was yeah. called What's Poppin', by the way. I said I didn't have a title, and I asked my classmates, yo, what should I call this? And it was called What's Poppin'. Yeah. Because we were What's Poppin', we were What's Fresh, What's Poppin'. Um, so that show ended. Mm -hmm. So I said, I want to do another show. I want to do a half-hour show. This is what I want to do. I don't want to do an interstitial. They didn't, they didn't give me half an hour, mm -hmm. so I'm going to go find half an hour somewhere else. So I wrote another show. Uh, it was called On the Dot. This is around the time I was working at Medic Alert. Yeah, and I had done so. I met when you met me. I was so busy. I was doing this show on mm -hmm. the dot, which I'm going to get into. Mm -hmm. I was fighting, so I was in Muay Thai four times a week, and I was working full time with you guys. Okay, so, so I was just like 25 year old, 24 year old, super ambitious kid, just like working all the time, but working on myself. Anyway, so I did on the dot, and on the dot, I described as like a combination between e-talk, which is like an entertainment show, yeah. meets meets fashion television, right? Which is like your fashion, music, whatever. Um, and that was it. It was a half-hour show. I, I wrote it, pitched it to Rogers Television. Mm -hmm. um, I got another producer involved who had a connection inside the network. He pitched it for me. Mm -hmm. um, they said, yeah, this sounds like a great show. This is absolutely what we want. I said, great. Um, I went on to cast my uh, coordinator, I went on to cast a, or hire a coordinator, hire an executive producer. I produced the show and then I casted six hosts. So we did a casting call, we mm. booked a building, we got them to come in, we did them, get, got them to cast. We looked through the tapes, we booked them, and then we proceeded to shoot a season of the show. Of On the Dot. Of On the um, Dot, and it aired on Rogers, yeah. Yeah. Trying to remember if I remember that, man. Probably not. I don't think I told too many people. It was a lot of, it was a lot, man. It was like, you know, I don't know. How do I describe it, man? It was, it was like, this is where I had to learn a lot about myself. Like, why do I want to do things? You know, why mm -hmm. inside of me, what's telling me that I want to do this? It, and it was totally an ego thing. Yeah. It was totally something where I just felt like I needed to do it to prove myself to other people, you mm -hmm. know? So my, my motivation for doing it wasn't coming from the right place. It wasn't coming from a place of love. It was coming from a place of ego, which is fear. And when you're doing that, you're setting yourself up for failure every time. Um, yeah. So that was something I, in hindsight, I look back and reflect on and say, okay, that's probably why it didn't work. Wow. Okay. And when you said that, reflecting and looking back, I just yeah. thought of something, man, that I was going to start asking my guests. Have you had, because you talking about the coach too, you know, what? He, but I, what I want to know is, has someone ever told you something in life where at the time it didn't make sense to you? And then later on, you're like, oh, wow, this is what they were talking about. Or because something you learned from it, or it's happened to you at that moment in time now. And you, this is what they were trying to teach you when you were younger. Can Do you have any anyone in your life like that that told you something and you reflected on it later oh yeah several several mentors um yeah there's there was a guy one of my first mentors ever anthony anthony sacco mm -hmm. he was the first person that ever believed in me um i was 18 and he told me uh it's better to be proactive than to be reactive Mm -hmm. That's just one of the things that he said me. It said to me, and I was eighteen. I was like, "What the hell are you talking about? Better to be proactive than reactive, <laughs> right? Like, what does that even mean? What does proactive mean? Like, I'm trying to yeah. think, like, <laughs> yeah. in my little eighteen year old mind, you know. But then, as I got older into the game, I started to realize, like, oh, it's better for you to act first than for you to respond to what's happening in front of you because you're always behind. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And so, as I got older, I started to realize, like, oh shit, like you this this whole game is about what you do not how you react to things and then if you are in a place of reacting how do you turn that eight ball around to the point where you are now making the decisions right it depends on your personality and what kind of person you want to be what kind of industry you're in mm -hmm. but that was one and then another one was this guy named anthony ciccioni uh if you're familiar with the score television network yeah. he was the vp of marketing so he was one of the guys that kind of started it Mm -hmm. And um, I remember one day he was, uh, I was practicing my stand-ups and stand-ups is when you're in front of the camera, you're reading off of a teleprompter, or you're, you're delivering something, the news, you're throwing to a music video, something like that. Yeah. 
And uh, I, I chatted with him and now, which he would always give me these little insights, little tidbits of information. And one thing that he said never left my mind. He said, um, you know, wherever you go, just remember to keep your head down, work hard, and somebody will notice. And when he said that to me in my little like egotistical mind, I thought like he was trying to tell me not to speak up or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. But then I realized later on, like, no, the people that get noticed are the people that just work. Yeah. The people that get the attention are the people that just work and prove themselves and don't say anything. Mm-hmm. Those are the people that people want to work with. And over time I became that person and opportunities start to open up. So yeah, kind of a long answer, but those two things. No, man, I like to hear it. People need to hear it. I like to hear it. It inspires me too, man. Mm-hmm. But, um, mm-hmm. And you're, you're well-spoken before we continue on um, your journey now, but um, were you always well-spoken and well-written too? Like, or did it come over time with practice? Because every time you speak, I'm like tranced. <laughs> I'm in a <laughs> trance. Man, thank you so much for saying that. Um, I guess, like, when I think about myself at 14, walking up to a person's door or 12 and knocking on their door and, and being able to convince them to let me mow their lawn for money. You know, like starting at that stage in my life, I guess, I guess I've always had the gift of the gab. Uh, I'm an, I'm an avid reader. Like right next to me, I have my bookshelf full of books. I love to read. I love to read books on communication and habits and and psychology and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. As I've gotten older as a producer, which we can pivot into, you know, when you need to pitch things to networks, when you need to pitch things to uh, different associates for them to work with you, uh, you have to learn how to communicate and you have to understand like what people are going to respond to. Um, but you also under- have to understand yourself. Right. Right. And that, that informs the way that you approach the world. So it, to answer your question, I guess I've always had a way of communicating with people that has been, uh, that has allowed me to be successful. Yeah. Uh, but then as I've gotten older, I've learned different techniques and different ways of communicating that help me to be more successful. And now that I'm at this level um, dealing with like enterprise clients, dealing with Apple, dealing with MasterCard and Amazon and working with these different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I start to understand how to communicate in different spaces. So now I can come to Scarborough and I can speak to like the younger version of me. And then I can also flip it and go into a boardroom and be able to communicate with the director of marketing at Amazon and talk to them about this project that we're about to do, you know, so yeah. I've just been able to move in different spaces. And I think it's been very helpful. All right. Thanks, man. Um, so before we started recording, um, you let me know that you came back from LA because um, you, you were, it was work too, but you were with your brother. Uh, no, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't you, with my brother. No, I was oh. in LA. I was with a, I was with another producer, another, uh, an okay. executive producer. Yeah. Okay. So, that's what I want to get into now, the whole Andre Williamson now. So you told me about the beginnings, the foundation, you're like watering your plant, the seeds, and now everything's happening. What's going on with Andre now? Yeah, well, shoot. <laughs> now is uh, now is like a culmination of all of those things I kind of told you about, right? Like all of the little, little stories, the little failures, uh, the little lessons. But right now... Uh, I'm a producer for a company called Shutterstock. Uh, you may or may not be familiar with them. They're like a stock photo, video, music company. That's where they kind of make their money. Um, but what they've done is they've expanded and they've created a studio, a production studio, essentially. Okay. And now they're now they're producing content for different clients. Mm-hmm. So I am a producer for Shutterstock and I work across many, many different clients, uh, many, many different projects uh, globally. Whether it's in Canada, the States, Europe, um, I'm working to produce those assets for them, whatever advertising assets they come up with. If it's photo, it's video. If it's a commercial, if it's just photo asset, video asset, I'm Mm -hmm. producing that. So I was just recently in L.A. producing a commercial for Cisco WebEx and uh, NASA. Um, And uh, day one was in L.A., day two will be in Houston. Okay, and when you, some of the pro, I want to know about some of the projects like in depth, um, just sure, to hear sure. about them. But um, before you even attempt to do a project, attempt a project for someone, a company, yeah. organization, how do you get to know the the company, the business, how they run first? 
to understand what you're going to do. There's so many different ways I can answer that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, okay. Well, there are different there are different types of producing. Okay. Right. So let me get into that first. So the type of producing that I told you about earlier, where I was producing this TV show for this network, mm-hmm. um, that's more like production company, freelance producing. I have an idea. I'm pitching it to you. And now you are going to be my client. I get it. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's one way. The way that I'm producing now is there's a sales team. The sales team works with, let's say, name a company, Nike. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nike says, I want to do a commercial. I need assets of, you know, young women running on a track. And right. we're just going to use this for campaigns in the future. Great. So you get the idea, the treatment, the brief, uh, we call it. And this is the entire idea of what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Usually there's not enough information in there for me to execute the project. So you look up other things that they had done in the past, and then you'll have a meeting with the client with with um, Nike about yeah. what it is that they want to do. Okay. So, hey, Nike. Hey, Nike execs. Nice to meet you. I'm Andre. I'm producing this thing. I'm putting this thing together for you. Mm-hmm. I have a few questions. Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of women do you want? Do you want long hair, short hair? Do you want brown hair? Do you want them to look a certain way? Do you want them to be fit? Do you want them to be, you know, body positive? Whatever it is, you know, you get these kind of things. You get this out of the way. Then you start to refine the idea a little bit more. You start to narrow the focus because that's what you need to do. You need to narrow the focus of the idea because when you enter something, it's like, I want to have a, I want to have a house. It's like, what, is, what do you mean? What kind of house? Big, small, white, black. So this is what you do, right? Mm. So now you're developing a relationship with them. And the way that I do this is I try to approach every meeting as Andre, as Dre. Okay. And then they start to lower their guard a little bit, then they give you a little bit more information and then you have more insight into what they want. And you have to get to the point of what do they want? You know, it's like, yeah, I get like, this is what you want, but like, what do you really want? You know? So once you figure that out, um, you start to work with your crew. You start to work with who's the best person that I can put in this position that will put me in the best position to be successful, right? Oh, I know this guy, Peter. He shoots a lot of sports content you know, let me see if he's available, right? Mm-hmm. And then you kind of go from there. And then that's how you build out understanding the client, understanding the project, and okay. then executing. I get it now. Yeah, because I'm just learning this, you know what I mean? So it's good to hear. And it's yeah. like telling a story, I guess. Like anything you're doing, advertising, producing a TV show, it's telling a story. And I guess you got to learn who are the characters and what kind of characters. That's what you're trying to tell me too, Right. And what do you want to portray? What do you want to show? I, uh, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Um, so you have a good Rolodex of people to reach out to as well um, mm-hmm. over the years, right? That you, you call on to do things, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would say I have a pretty good Rolodex of people here in Toronto. What's, what's helped me working with Shutterstock is building out that Rolodex in the States. Okay. Right. So I, I just came back from LA. I worked with a, a, a bunch of great professionals in LA. And uh, I was the producer, so I hired them um, and I'm paying them. But a lot of them, most of them, all of them were great. So I now have a crew in L.A. that I could tap into. I have a crew in New York that I can tap into. I have a crew in Houston, New Orleans, you know, South Carolina, um, Mm -hmm. Florida that I could tap into. Right. And, And that's the that's the the strength of a producer, of a good producer is this having a network. Right, right. And then let me know how social media has helped with that reaching out and that connection with people. Because, you know, when you started at 23, I'm trying to get the timeline down. I don't know if we had the socials like we do now. No, but I'm sure that really helped out when now you can reach out on these groups, chats, all these different things. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's helped, but it's like a double edged sword in a way, because. As you know, Peter, people can just fake it on social media, right? Okay. Like they can yeah. steal your they can steal your content and pretend like it's theirs, for example. And you don't really know who owns what. Like intellectual property doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah. So you have to do more research sometimes. So you go to a website and you check it out, and you go to their IG or you go to their Twitter and you check it out there. Mm-hmm. And then you see if they have a separate page for their business. And then yeah, there's there's all kinds of different little things. Um, 
that it's helped and you can communicate with people on an IG and you can also find people on IG. Some people don't even have a website and you yeah. just kind of see everything they have on, on IG or Facebook or whatever it is. So it's helped a lot. And it's also helped get to know a person before you get to know them. Right. Yeah. Like how, do, how do they represent themselves? Are they, are they, are they, are they professional? Mm-hmm. Is this somebody that I even want to align myself with? Right. Cause as soon as you were, as soon as you put this up, you and I are going to be aligned. Is right. Peter somebody that I want to align myself with, right? Is Andre a person I, I want to align? So these are all the things that you think about, and social media has allowed you to find that out. To, it's a gateway into the person and how they do business. So from that aspect, it's helped a lot, yeah. Right, right. And um, I know you worked with a lot of companies what and organizations, um, but what's yeah. one of the ones that you really look at and like, yeah, I did that, man, and I'm proud of the work that I did because I'm sure you're proud of like everything that you've done. But uh, what stands out to you? Yeah, um, I am proud of everything I've done. And that's taken a while to get to. Like, you do something, you're not always immediately proud of it. Because as a creative, and I'm sure you can relate, (laughs) you always think you could do better. You always think you could crush it. Oh, man, I could have done better. Ah, You know, but you did the best you could with where you were at at the time. You know, Mm -hmm. and that's something that's this relationship with myself I had to work on. But, yeah, I mean, I'm proud of everything that I've done. Um, Most recently... Most recently, I'm proud of the shoot that I just did in L.A., man. It's the first sh- shoot that I had produced in L.A. Yeah. Coming coming from Scarborough. You know, I don't know how many people can say that. Mm-hmm. You know, grew up in Scarborough, two uh, immigrant parents. You know, they had no idea what I wanted to do. TV, you want to produce commercials? <laughs> what, what does that mean? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What yeah. does that even mean? Like, where's the money, you know? And to go to start that journey and now be in L.A. producing a commercial with... 40 people on set, you know, totally different city in a totally different country. Yeah. At the highest level um, is something to be absolutely, completely proud of. And I didn't see coming. So I'm proud of that. It was a celebrity on set, George Takei. Um, Wow. Okay. uh, From Star Trek. Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. Star Trek. He was on set. So he was our celebrity talent. Mm -hmm. Um, And, um, you know, working with Apple is another one. I, I worked with Apple to shoot, to do a shoot, you know, so buying Apple products, going into the Apple store and buying $15,000 worth of product for the commercial. And yeah. they know it's for the commercial and they're yeah. bringing it back, you know, is, is really cool. And working with companies like MasterCard and working with yeah, Amazon, working with, you know, ASICs, working with uh, all these different brands that I've only heard of, but actually getting a chance to work with them intimately. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm proud of all of that. Mm, great man proud of you man um, thank you very proud but um have you decided whether you should document your life because you know what i'm thinking now i'm thinking? looking like even even kanye's genius right uh a guy named cootie documented like all the you saw it right so yeah. documented everything and it's so fascinating to see like this you really got that on you got that yourself with black star with most deaf you got yourself Really? On MTV, there's a camera shooting a camera of you saying, remember when I, when he used, used to make beats for people? And then it like hits you, you know, like, and it's on tape. Have you decided to document your life in what you were doing? Yes and no. Not, not, not in that way, but I definitely, definitely think I could write a book one day because okay. there's a lot of, there's a lot, there's a lot that I could share, man. There's so much like, in and throughout telling somebody all of the different successes that you accomplished, mm-hmm. the part that people don't talk about is the, the internal journey that you need to do that allows you to get there, right? Yeah. Even you right now having this podcast, mm-hmm. there are things that you need to do inside of yourself that allows you to put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And like constantly every week or every day or whatever your schedule is, like putting yourself out there, like there's a internal journey that you need to go on, so you know? Mm-hmm. So when you're... 26 years old and you're not working and you just got fired from your last job and your friends are working and you know this person has a a wife and this person's about to buy a house and you're looking at yourself like yo how come i don't have that you know like there's a there's an internal journey that you need to go through there you need to understand and this if you've been paying attention which i'm sure you have throughout our conversation i mentioned that i mentioned like that's something that i had to figure out for myself that's something that I had to learn about myself. That's mm-hmm. something, that's a journey that I had to take. 
um, because that's a major, major component of my journey, right? Anybody that's successful has gone through that. And so sure, the successes are great. It's great to tell people that I'm a producer and I did this and I did this show and I did that. But what's more important is to talk about the journey that allowed me to get there because you can get like tomorrow, I can give you this comedy gig at, you know, radio city. Right. Mm-hmm. But, in, but unless you did the work to get yourself in that position, yeah, you'll never be able to keep that. Mm-hmm. You might be there and then you'll lose it, you know, yeah. but there's yeah. a whole journey that you need to go through. And when I was in LA, I was talking to this guy, Julian, and uh, him and I were sharing the story, uh, but I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, the guy's name is Navel uh, Ravenkant. Okay. I think I'm, I think I'm saying the name right. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he talks about being successful and he's like, you reach, you'll reach a mountain peak in your life. Mm-hmm. But when you get to that peak, you'll realize that there's another peak. But the only way to get to that peak is if you go back down the mountain and go back up that other mountain again. And a lot of people don't want to do that. Wow. That's deep. <laughs> That's deep. Man. And a lot of people won't get that either. You know, like, yeah. so I've definitely climbed back down that mountain and climbed right back up that mountain again and re reconstructed myself mm-hmm. you know deconstructed and then reconstructed myself again you know mm-hmm. therapy is huge reading books on the things that you want to heal about yourself are massive um so yeah man yeah. long answer but yes documenting in a book style and mm-hmm. those are the things that i will talk about yeah sweet man have you ever thought about being an inspir- inspirational speaker to youth because I feel like there's a disconnect with the youth and success, whatever we call success now. You know how people used to think success was about yeah. money. It's not about money, but yeah. there's a disconnect. And I think you would be a good speaker, man, because um, it's needed right now, I believe, especially where we live in Scarborough, Toronto. <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you for that, by the way. I, I, I was actually a teacher. That's one thing I didn't mention to you in this. I, I taught college for a couple of years. Um, So I taught my expertise in college. I taught at Durham College. Um, So I, uh, I was in a way, right, I, I, I taught there and a couple of my students reached out to me and and wanted further like mentorship, further advice, and I was happily, happily, happy to oblige. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, yeah, I've thought about it. I've thought about it. And it's something that I think I would like to do. Um, It's just what way would I do it? I want to do a TED talk one day. I think that would be cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, and I would, I would, I would definitely do one. Um, I'm going to go back to my old high school and just speak to the kids there that are in media arts. Like I was in media arts and I had no idea that what I'm doing now was even possible. Yeah. So yeah, that's, I think it's, I think it's like mandatory. I think it's like when you, when you learn all of these things and just keep it to yourself, that's, it's not even like selfish. That's just, what's the point? You know, like Maya yeah. Angelou, what does she say? Like, what does she say? If you, if you teach, learn, if you get, give, right. right. That's what she says. And, yeah. and I, I think that's a duty as a human being. Cause like, why else would you learn these things? Why, why go through these experiences and keep them to yourself? That's why people write books. That's why chefs make recipes. Mm-hmm. that's what you know what i mean that's why they make cookbooks like it doesn't take anything away from them it's like i learned this this is great i'm gonna give this away share it there's something i learned a long time ago i was watching tv i don't even know which commercial it was whatever nbc and they used to say the more you know the more you grow mm-hmm. and i don't know who said it but i follow that now it's the more you know the more you owe mm-hmm. and that's in line with what you're saying man because you have to you have to pass your knowledge you have to give inspiration to others somehow which now leads me andre to your podcast so <laughs> in conversation with dre so yeah. tell me what made you want to start your podcast and then tell me the premise about it too oh man well i mean starting the podcast was i i've always had an idea for a podcast i've written a podcast back in like 2013 before it was a thing um, because I, I have this, I have this like drive to communicate myself, right? Okay. I have this on my, on my, I think it's on my IG. It says, do you want to express yourself or do you want to prove yourself? Right. And that's just like a question for all creatives. Like, do you want to express yourself? Do you want to prove yourself? 
And that's a question that I've had to answer for myself. And I realized that I did want to prove myself when I was operating out of the egotistical mind. Yeah. But now I want to express myself. Now I've gotten through that. So the podcast was, for me, it was like a way to kind of like get my creative out of my brain and, and be able to commu- connect with people and communicate with people um, of different walks of life. Like, as you've seen, I've spoken to entrepreneurs, I've spoken to therapists, I've spoken to, you know, other people that have their own podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spoken to, you know, uh, self-help people and vulnerability and all kinds of things. But that was it. The premise of the show really is just Andre having impactful conversations with people who have things to say. That's mm-hmm. it. Right. It, it's just as simple as that. You know, I don't want to talk to somebody who has nothing to say talking yeah. about, you know, foolishness. Yeah. I want to talk to people that have things to share with other people. You know, and they're not just promoting a podcast. It's like, hey, you know, uh, I spoke to this guy named um, uh, Brandon. Um, Brandon. Uh, <laughs> what's his name? Anyway, Brandon. I spoke, yeah. to, I spoke to Brandon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I spoke to Brandon. Me. Yeah. I spoke to Brandon, yeah. and um, he is a uh, he has a podcast. He has a, a page called New Age Gents, and okay. he talks about men in today's age and men needing to be vulnerable, and why it's important for men to be vulnerable, and it, and it's like it's like expressing that. And so him and I got on, got on Zoom and we spoke about his journey. How did you get to this point where you understood that you needed to go to therapy? How did you get to this point where you understood that vulnerability was really the way? You know, how did you get there? And then it was him and I sharing these experiences with each other. And it was just two Black men talking about vulnerability, comfortable in their skin, comfortable talking about their journey. And it was just me putting that together and sharing it with other people. And like, look, guys, it's okay to talk about these things. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to talk about being sad. You know, like we're so caught up, especially black men. We're so caught up in these, these, these like narratives that have been written about us that we need to be tough and strong all the time, you know? And so I wanted to distinct, um, what is it? Distinct that. Demystify, yeah, oh. stigmatize or demystify, stigmatize and demystify, yeah, that myth. And so that was the part of that journey. That was a part of that story. And then talking to the therapist was the same idea. It was like, it's okay, you know, it's okay to go to therapy. And here's a black therapist, black female therapist, by the way, who is going to tell us all the things about therapy that we don't know about. So, yeah, yeah that's that's what I want to do with my podcast. Mm-hmm. And are you still doing it now? Because when you're doing so much. Yes, As you are. Yes. How do yes. you find time to fit that in? Because you know, there's a lot of planning that goes with a podcast, right? Yeah, man. I mean, like that's the challenge, right? I haven't done it in a while. It's been about a year. Oh, uh, wow. yeah. It's it's. Uh, but I've been so busy, yeah. and and you know, going to LA. That's the challenge. The challenge is how do I do all these things now? How do I do all these things that I need to do that I must do now? And you're meeting me in the middle of that journey. You're meeting me in the middle of that challenge that I'm, that I'm trying to overcome. It's like, how do I do this podcast and work and accomplish all these goals that I have set out for myself all at the same time, you know? And then I look at people like Will Smith, you know, Kevin Hart, you know, Oprah, Issa Rae, like all these different people who are killing it and doing so much, but they are able to do it. So if they can do it, I can do it. I just need to figure out how. How? Yes. Yes. But um, again, a lot of people have the team. So when yeah, you got yeah. to a certain point, you have people that you can, you know, delegate things to, right? When it comes sure. to certain aspects of your job, your life and things like that, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. And, and I've worked with different people over the years. Uh, but something I shared with you before we started recording was like, nobody's ever going to care as much as you do. Yeah. Right. So you can put a team in place, right, to do something. But <clears throat> Unless you're willing to have that person do it at their pace, yeah, you know, you might as well just do it until you get to a point where it can kind of go on its own. And then I just need you to book guests once a month. That's all I need you to do is just book a guest. Mm-hmm. And then I just, all I need you to do is just write my opener. That's yeah. it. You know what I mean? And I'll do the rest, you know, but you need to get it to that point where it's like already going and people can see that it's going, it's consistent enough. 
now I'm ready to get on this train with you. So I'm not at a point where I can get a team in place yet, but that's definitely, definitely, definitely the goal. Yeah. And just even a question about, because you, you, you were shooting videos, you're doing the producing, editing, writing. What do you enjoy most about um, what you do? Because for me, when I do the podcast, I tell mm-hmm. my wife, I love editing videos. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish I knew when I was younger what my passion was, putting it together. So what do you like doing? Yeah, man. Uh, and, and to that point, like, wishing you knew you were when you were younger, I, I'm so fortunate. I was 16, 17, and I'm like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. 16, 17, and I just went and did it, and I'm here I am. Um, but I love creating. I just love having an idea in my head and taking it out and putting it and other people can see it. And that's just like the beginning of it. That's just like the little like bud seed, you know, the other part of it is collaborating with other people, you know, being able to like have an idea with Peter and say, Hey, Peter, like I have this idea that I want to do with you and you're the perfect person to help execute this. Mm -hmm. And then we collaborate on that idea and then we put it out there, you Mm -hmm. know, all of that, just creating and just, and, and also the last thing is outdoing myself. You know, okay. being yeah. better than I was last time I did this, being better than I was five years ago, being better than I was yesterday. That's the goal. That's it's like me versus me. A lot of people are like out here competing with other people. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like me versus me. And yeah. it's just trying to outdo myself every time. So those are the things that drive me. Those are the things that um, I really, really love about this. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And Dre, I, I need to ask you this because... In my podcast, I like, I like to ask people to share words of inspiration for someone that is ready to give up on their dream, mm-hmm. even to the point where they don't want to live anymore. And I remember I was asking a comedian about that, that I was interviewing, because some of the things you have to go through when you're trying to make it, you know, it might lead you down a bad path when you don't have things go your way. So even as someone who's feeling upset one day, do you have any words of inspiration to keep someone's mind going? Yeah, there's, there's a lot. I've been there. First of all, I've been there, you know, where you're just like drinking every night and feeling sorry for yourself and you're down and you're questioning all the decisions that you've made. I've definitely been there, man. Um, you know, it's been a 15 year journey for me to get to this point. And um there's a couple things first thing is you know everything you want is on the other side of fear you know you have to one thing is one thing that you really need to understand is why you want the thing that you want do that journey do that self assessment that self-evaluation why you want the thing that you want and um you know giving up giving up isn't giving up if you're taking a break it's okay to take a break you know, I've taken a break for a year, for six months, however long it is, just to get myself recalibrated. You know, if money is the issue, then go make money, but don't lose sight of what your goal is. You know, I've had to do that. You met me doing that. I was I was working at Medical Alert, coming off of doing a TV show. You know, that's what I want, clearly. But I had to take a break. I had to realize, like, okay, cool. Like this isn't going to go, this is going to work right now. I need to do something to keep myself afloat, to keep myself alive. Mm -hmm. And it's an ego check, you know, but that's one thing I would say is like, figure out what it is, why you want it, you know, look at what your goals are, reevaluate what your real goals are. A lot of people don't sit down and figure out what their goals are. Their goal might be money. And if you're chasing money, you're going in the wrong direction. Because the money will come if you're doing what you love to do. The money will come. If you listen to successful people now, they don't talk about, oh, I wanted to make a lot of money. They're just like, I just love making music. I just love selling stock. I just love, you know, being a lawyer and, and helping out innocent people. The money will come. And you have, to, you have to be confident in that. You have to be confident in knowing that I'm doing what I love to do and the money will come. And if I stay on this journey... Persistence is rewarded one way or another. I'm either going to get what I want or I'm going to get something better than what I've ever imagined. And I'm telling you today, as somebody who has gone through those bumps in the roads, those peaks and valleys, I'm at a point today right now, 2022, talking to you, April 30th, 
where I've never, I could have never imagined being in this point right now. I could have never imagined going to LA, producing a commercial, hiring a crew, doing all of that, talking about going to NASA, talking about interviewing celebrities and all of that. Never, ever, ever. And it was just because I stayed on this path. It's going to be hard, but you got to stay on it. Thanks for sharing that, man. It's, it's like I'm doing this for a selfish reason too, man. Anyone who, when, when I ask that question, it drives me again. And I hope people, when they hear it, it drives them. So thanks for sharing that. Of course. Dre, what we're going to do now is come to the point in the interview where I have two cards in my hand. And uh, you're going to choose which one I'm going to read out and you're going to answer. Okay. My right or my left? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Name one challenging thing you had to overcome in life. Oh my God. One? Comparing myself to others. Okay. Comparing myself to others and taking accountability. So I guess that's two. But yeah, comparing myself to others. You know, um, it's 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 hard to not look around at what other people are doing, especially with social media, man. It's all it is, mm -hmm. right? But when you're comparing yourself to other people, you're you're not realizing that you have blessings right in front of you that you're not paying attention to. It's the definition of don't let your don't let your plate get cold watching somebody else's food. You know? Wow. Yeah. It's the definition of that. It's like you were sitting here with a with a steak and whatever it is you want, Akian saltfish oxtail yeah. rice and peas whatever but you're looking over at that person because they got a nice plate of spaghetti and they got garlic bread and all the works and it looks good and you're looking over there but you have everything you want right in front of you yeah so when i learned to stop doing that things changed for me and that was one of the biggest challenges in my life you're an inspiration straight up thank you mm -hmm. thank you i it's not the goal to be an inspiration, but I, I think I need to, man. Like, I think I need to, uh, one, cause one conversation I had in LA was like, I'm, I, I'm like afraid of putting myself out there and like putting my life out there, you know? And then, and my one boy was like, you need to remove yourself from it mm -hmm. because it's not for you. It's for the people that need to see that message. Yeah. Right. So you need to remove yourself from it. So moving forward, I'm going to, put more of myself out there and not just like my journey, but just like some of the things that I've learned. And I think it'll help out a lot of people, man. Yeah. Nice. Man. I've definitely, I've definitely been through a lot. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. I don't want to read that book in the future, <laughs> but um, yeah. so Andre, we come to the point now again, I, I do this for donations too. Right. So I donate to a charity after every episode okay. and for season three, which you're on, your episode six, seven. You're seven. I have three balloons in my hand. The charities for season three are Autism Ontario, Claws, which is Kawartha Lakes Animal Wellness Society. I actually have someone coming on to talk about that next next week, or actually tomorrow. I should say I'm getting confused now. And the last one is CAMH, and we know how Center for Addiction and Mental Health helps people out. So by my hands again, Andre, which balloon do you want me to pop? Uh, you, uh, I guess that's your left, your left hand. The other one? Yeah. The seventh charity Star Scorpio was donating to is? Autism. Autism Ontario. Amazing. They do amazing work. All right, Dre, before we go, let the people know where they can find you. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, before I go, thank you for the opportunity. It was it was great catching up with you. I mean, one thing I guess people don't know, we haven't spoken in a little while, but um, <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> ten, yeah, 10 years, man. I remember uh, it was great. You're the only person that I guess I really connected with in the office, man. So I'm really, really happy that you're doing your thing and you're doing well and, and you're doing the podcast, man. This is great. So yeah. thank you so much for having me. Um, you can find me on, on IG. Uh, my IG is it's underscore Dre underscore uh i'm on twitter as well i guess I don't, i'm not really that active on twitter yet but i will be it's uh, lebron dre a lot, of people, a, lot of, a lot of people think i look like lebron james so thought i would turn that into something yeah <clears throat> and and uh yeah that's it man um i have a website williamsonpaul.com um or williamsonpaul.ca either or will direct you 
Um, you want to check out my portfolio, learn a little bit more about me. You can see me there. Um, and that's it, man. I'm really accessible. Just hit me up if you want to say hi. I'm, I'm uh, easygoing. I'm very approachable. Yeah. Wait, you know, before we have, before we go, I got to ask you about that. So LeBron James. Yo. So how many times have people mistaken you? Because I, I'm sure you posted something on Instagram. I think I seen something where um, someone was coming up to you or someone thought you were. Tell me a story about, about one of the incidents because there's more than one. Man. <clears throat> Man. People take pictures with me, Peter. So people, people buy me drinks. People, you know, girls will use it as a way to get in. You know, um, okay. So I was going to Miami. Um, this was the one that I posted most recently, but I was going to Miami. I was with my boy. We're in the airport in Toronto. We're not even in Miami. We're in Toronto. Okay. Um, I'm like having a smoothie or eating a sandwich or something like that. This lady stops in her tracks. Like she's walking past me. Like, yeah. And then she's like, are you, are you LeBron James? And then my friend starts recording right away. Cause he's seen this story before. He's like, all right, now I got you. So he starts <laughs> recording. This lady's like, oh my God, oh my God. And then she wants to take a picture. Oh, my son, my son loves LeBron. Nah, nah, nah. I'm like, do you want to take a picture? She takes out her phone. She wants to take a picture of me. <laughs> takes a picture. She wants me to stand up. I stand up. I take a picture with her. My friend's recording the whole thing. And, and, uh, and, uh, she's like, I'm going to tell my son I met LeBron James. And then she takes off this like Persian lady. Very nice. Yeah. Um, but that stuff happens all the time. And I was at a bar in LA sitting next to these two white dudes, these two guys from, uh, from the state somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he's like, he wants to take a picture of me to show his son to be like, look who I met in LA. Yeah. And then, you know, he took a picture and sent it to his son. And I took a picture of the, the text message that he sent to his son. And it was just a funny little thing. I used to work at Foot Locker mm-hmm. and then like tourists would come, you know, uh, because I was at like Young and Dundas and then people oh. would come into the store and for whatever reason would think LeBron James was working at Foot Locker in Toronto. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, they would want to take pictures with me in the store and and you know whatever i don't i think it's a joke i think it's funny yeah, yeah i think i think i think it's a really funny thing that i look like this guy or people think i look like this guy i think it's funny yeah so I, just, I just i just make fun of it honestly and i, I just think it's hilarious nice thanks for sharing that all right andre thank you for coming out today this is season three episode seven and we out <laughs>